Warning, ProTri News is a podcast with different opinions, knowledge and possibly fake news about triathlon racing. This is not for the faint of heart. If you get offended or hurt by what is said, please stop listening and go listen to some uplifting meditation music or just go work out, then try again. to another episode of pro try news we're all kind of decompressing from a crazy weekend at st george at the ironman world championship i'm joined by uh pat lemieux pat's still got his one republic shirt on mine's been dirty for a couple days now everybody just decided you know they're like just we're like gonna give up they're like hey we're gonna be in photos or videos for this we're i don't need to represent our partners of this podcast and i was like no i'm gonna be pro I'm going to represent Win Republic. Everybody needs to. Uh, Beth, I'm assuming it's just winrepublic.com. What's the website? Winrepublic.com. Win with a Y. Okay, win with a Y. And then is that also where I can get the running apparel as well? That is malorepublic.com. M A L O republic.com, which is also good. To all our listeners, those need to be your two favorite websites this week. And you got to <laughs> go there. You got to buy a ton of stuff. And. Beth uh, and Luke, we just can't thank you enough for, uh, you know, partnering with the pod and, and you know, making us, uh, taking us to another level. I think the pre-race show, you know, really it was Kyle, was it our best, it was our biggest show ever, correct? Yeah, it was our biggest show. So you'll, well, you'll we hear, we had, and now Beth, we had Christian Blumenfeld, uh, just beat and do their own episode once. Yours got more, more uh, downloads than that. So congrats. Well, I think people were just really excited about all the world champs hype and we were too. So, yeah. And I think before we get into it, it's important to note that one of your athletes, Braden Curry, uh, was third. So congrats on the podium. Thank you. Yeah, no, we were really excited. And of course the lucky race belt lives on. Amazing. Yeah. So how many world championships is that in a row? Do you know? Oh, for the lucky race belt? I think yeah. just two. Just, just two, two, but but we're ready for we're ready for the next one. Ready for the third. Uh, we're also joined by Talbot Cox. Talbot staying in Vegas a little bit longer. If you guys can see behind me, there is the strip right there. So I am here for until tomorrow, and then we hit the road and we head to the Herbalife Pro PTO, whatever it's called, AM. <laughs> triathlon well let's kind of decompress uh and dissect what happened at ironman st george the last weekend uh we can start with the men's race we had five athletes go off the front um brandon curry kyle smith daniel backagard sam laidlow and florian anger able to hold off the chasers um that came out it was probably i don't know 15 that came out of the water together with cam worth uh lionel sanders sam long Ben Hoffman, et cetera. And they kind of split off into about groups of three and four throughout the bike. Um, and then the five up front, the men kind of just paced their own race. Um, they had, they were able to hold off Cam Worf and the likes of the Uber bikers behind that weren't able to swim with the lead pack. Um, and then your first place, uh, we had Christian Blumenfeld who came out kind of out of the water between the two packs and was able to hold off uh, Lionel Sanders for a great victory. 
and Lionel and Braden had a massive battle through the back half of the marathon. Fourth place was uh, Chris Lieferman, who was our top American as well. And then fifth place, Florian Anger. Let's, let's dive Back into that we, race. Where do we? Where do we? Uh, it, you know, it was just such an exciting race. And I think the biggest surprise for all of us after, you know, our preview show was that not, the Uber bikers did not catch that front group. That front group really worked together. The first five guys out of the water, they all worked together to stay away throughout the whole bike. So I think that was a big surprise. Beth. If you were on the motorbike officiating, would you have called a drafting penalty? Oh, interesting. There, I saw some really interesting things on the coverage because I actually didn't go down to the swim. I was just watching the beginning of the bike online. And same, it, same. It, it looked like there was it was a bit messy. There was all kinds of stuff going on. But every time they panned out, it did look like they were riding legally. So... I don't know. I did see that photo that some of you guys posted today about maybe they were close, but I, I don't know. That photo, that photo's taken from a mile out. We can't judge. I mean, exactly from that. I think, um, you know, were they were they flirting with the the, the rules? Uh, pr- probably. Um, and but were there were there any um, you know major infractions? I think from what I saw, it would be it would be tough to say, Talbot. You, what do you think? You were on a bike. Yeah, I mean, I was out there. I caught up with them, I think, at three different times, which is also kind of funny because at the three times I was with them, uh, all three times, uh, Braden Curry was uh, at the front, which was, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I definitely not don't think. I didn't see any of them when I saw them drafting. Everyone was spaced out very good. Uh, at one point, Daniel Backegaard, rolled into Florian Angard's space and I kind of watched it for a second. He was very aware. He sat straight up, kind of tapped his brakes a little bit, rolled back out to a, a legal zone. So from what I saw out there, I didn't see anything um, on my end that I thought was close. But the, then again, I mean, these athletes, they're racing on the line that they've been given. Like, I don't think like we're going to be a continue to be a broken record. Nothing's going to change until Iron Man changes it. Uh, Iron Man changes the rule for them. So, like, these guys, it's not like that they're going to be like, oh, it's 12 meters. Let's sit at 15 to be safe. No, they, they only need to sit at 12 meters because that's where they need to sit at. So, sometimes it's going to look sketchy, especially when they're at a faster pace. But that, that's a part of racing, in my opinion. And I guess that because the front group went so hard and none of will call the Uber bikers from behind went up, I mean, do we think that that was ultimately a consequence of how, you know, everybody with the exception of Braden Curry in that group, you know, kind of, ex- you know, didn't have as great of a run as I guess we thought somebody like a Daniel Backergaard would have? Obviously, he paid for that effort that he did on the bike. Would you agree? Yeah, I think they were all just taking their opportunity to to stay away. And from what I heard talking to Braden afterwards, like he just – he said there was no like no dead spots. They were just on the gas the whole time. So I think they were like, this is our shot. Let's do what we can with it. Um, one great thing about the world championships is there was definitely no moto interference. So the moto was way far ahead. Um, whether or not the guys were benefiting a bit from the draft at 12 meters, I'm sure they were. But that's, 
you know, they had officials with them the entire time. So yeah. they were well within the rules, I'm sure. Talbot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that like the, the Uber biker term is so overused nowadays. I think that the sport has evolved so much. I, I feel like that there's almost no such thing as an Uber biker. There might be a biker in the sense of like, uh, let's say Lionel Sanders or Sebastian Keenley or Cam Worth that can probably come off the bike a bit fresher, feel fresher because they're not at their capacity. But like everyone can ride a bike fast now. Uh, did these guys ride outside of their limit? I mean, 100%. But you see that all the time. I mean, there's always that front pack in Kona and guys just completely explode. So, I mean, hats off to them. Uh, Daniel Backyard might have said at some point that, like, he looked down through an hour and a half, and he was like, I am way out of my comfort zone, like, riding way too hard. So, but that's championship racing. That's championship racing for you. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, but, but it's clear uh, Braden raced an incredible race. I mean, if you look what he did, I think the only mistake that Braden made – um, in the entire race was he went out a little bit too hard and aggressive in that opening 10 miles. And I don't think there's any way that Braden could have held off Christian Blumenfeld. I just, I don't think I, Christian was on another level, but went definitely out too hard. Run, you mean, right? on the run. Yeah. 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 Sorry. On the run, but definitely could have held off Lionel. Uh, Lionel was at capacity yeah. on that run. Uh, Braden was going backwards quick and Braden was even putting time into Christian and Lionel I believe in the first 10k of the race. Yeah, so, so I think Braden opened. But then again, his to get to get to get to the front of the race and lead the Ironman World Championship, I could only imagine the adrenaline. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Opened his half. You know, Braden Curry opened his half marathon in like 79 minutes. I think Christian followed in 78, and Lionel was basically at 80 flat. Um, and you know. And they split went in 82 and I think then Braden slipped and dropped like a 85 or an 87 in his lat in the last half so um that, that point Talbot he could have potentially salvaged second but you know everybody we like to call it you get when you're winning you get the fever and uh you just you you just go hard right and um Talbot I want to I want to know what have you heard there anything that you've heard about the coverage dropping uh, I mean, not, not many people complain much. I mean, anytime our sport is so fascinating, it's so different than from being in an arena or in an octagon or an enclosed basketball court. I mean, you're talking about covering an eight hour event that spans over 140 something miles. I mean, is it ever going to be perfect? I don't think so. There's so much logistics that go into it. I mean, we might, well, how long was the blackout? Was, was it, was it, are we talking two to three hours or are we talking like five minutes? Like it was about five minutes. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's also, it's also, I mean, we were there all week. I can attest to the fact that half the time I didn't even have service on my cell phone. Like I'm surprised they were able to even stream the race being in the mountains so obviously like, so you, obviously, you yeah. try and stream a race in boulder colorado i can promise you you ain't gonna have that good of service yeah yeah so i mean obviously what happened is is when the helicopters went out onto the boat you can't relay the cell towers and for for a big chunk of that course you can't connect them and then there's a yeah gap. 
And, um, and, and a lot of people argue, oh, why don't they have Super League do the... Yeah, it's not, no, I, I know I mean, that. I, I know the that Super that's League. Not... Super League is like on a, uh, like literally one kilometer closed course that yeah, uh, you yeah. can set up static cameras and they could go around in circles. So, so okay. Can then... it be improved? Can it be improved? I mean, 100%. I think that we will see a big bump in coverage at the PTO events uh, come in Edmonton. Uh, Slovakia, I think that they, I, uh, yeah, I would, whatever I, that, I don't think I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care about the drop, but what I would really like is, can we just get dual screen coverage? And, and the problem, this, and and a, this is going to, this is going to change a little bit, right? Beth, when they moved to Kona in um, October and now the events are on separate days, right? So the women are on a dedicated day and the men are on a dedicated day. So now all that we need, Beth, is just the leaderboard. True. That's going to be really interesting. I hadn't even thought of that. And this, ideally, this will be the last ever world championship event with the male and females racing on the same day. I know they're pushing hard for it in Kona, but 70.3 Worlds is a two-day event. Kona is a two-day event, and I don't know if we'll ever see another world championship to the males and females race on the same day. So, which is very good, very good for our sport uh, as it involves, evolves. But as far as coverage dropout, I mean, yeah. What were the other big surprises? In the men's race? Yep. I think Chris Weiferman being top American. I mean, that guy flew under the radar all week and then comes out out and walks away with the top four, I mean, at the World Championship after being injured in the fall of this year. So I thought it was incredible to see him. Yeah, I I would say that too, Kyle. I mean, I think it's fair to say that we have Chris's name. You know, nobody had him a dark horse. That wasn't a pick. We didn't talk about him really. And it's somebody that was in the mix of the top ten. Um, so as Talbot would say, hats off to, to Chris. I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty comical too, that it's, we, we try to cover our butts, of course, in the podcast we're like, there's so many guys that could do good in this race, but realistically you look at someone like Braden Curry and did probably didn't surprise Beth or Luke at all. Um, but, and, and I don't know why you wouldn't have looked at his past of insanely extreme endurance races and we knew that this race was going to be a long freaking day. And if anyone knows how to hammer out a long, gritty course, I mean, it is someone like Braden. I mean, I, I even completely forgot he'd swim in that first pack. So it to, some, to a lot of us, it probably surprised us. But to someone like you, Beth, probably didn't surprise you one bit. Because you guys even mentioned his names, I think, like three to four different times in the pre-race roundup. And not just because he's a sponsored athlete, but – right. Yeah. Yeah. Brayden, I mean, he's always been, he's been pretty well known over on the Australian scene for a while. Like I saw him and Javier Gomez go toe to toe for Ironman cans one year. Like he's, he's legit and his swimming, like he swam with um, the coach that Jan swims with that I swam with in, that doesn't say anything, but that Jan swims with in, um, in Noosa. So I've always known that he's like a front pack swimmer. It's just sometimes he does miss that pack. So I think that made his race that he was in that very front group and that there were no people off the front of that group. Can I say something? Hi, Chelsea. Hey guys. I'm sorry. I'm late. Very happy to see your faces again. I just want to know if we talked about the race belt yet. (laughs) Not, I mean, 
I briefly. mentioned it really briefly. briefly. Oh, okay. Really. It was covered? Okay. We yeah. didn't know, but we didn't explain what I meant about it. So, yeah. Oh. Kyle, should you explain? <laughs> so, what's happened? Beth, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, now, Gustav, who won 70.3 World Championship in St. George, and Christian both have worn a Wind Republic race belt. Totally. And I was talking to to Luke after the race at the awards banquet on Sunday night, and I was like, "Man, you guys are either gonna have to uh, up the price on those Wind Republic belts, or everyone's gonna be buying them." So, yeah, I think we just need to rename it the Lucky Race Belt. But I've been watching sales online; it hasn't really blown up yet, so I'll I'll, I'll keep holding out. <laughs> well, let's let's, so, let's let's do this. I don't know how big of a uh, of a uh, conflict of interest this is with uh, Blumenfeld. I just checked out. Christian is sponsored by Trimtex, um, which is his apparel company. I checked out their website. They don't make a race belt. But mm. how about we do this? Everyone, we want you to get on the Winter Public website. We want you to buy a race belt. We will select this next week. One person. I will get a, the picture of Christian crossing the finish line we'll have them sign it with your name and we'll mail it to you so <laughs> don't call on. too much attention to it talbot or else it's not going to be allowed for next time so we'll just know, just fly under the radar but i will get a discount get on the winter public website yes yes i'll get we, a discount code for everybody and we'll put it in the show notes neil Neil, you all ready to move on to the women's race Yes. I, I would i would i want to tip my hat one real quick because we didn't chat about him too much and i do have to toot his horn Lionel. I think Lionel, I mean, he had an incredible race. I chatted with him after. He is well aware of the fact there is three massive contenders that didn't race. And he said, and I was like, oh, are you not happy? And he goes, oh, I'm happy. I'm happy with what I did. But w th this needs to be done in Kona, and it needs to be done on the world stage against the best. So he's stoked, but he's hungry for more. And, uh, yeah, I just want to tip my hat to him. I mean – a lot of people doubted him. Everyone always says he, he can't perform at the world stage. I mean, I think that he definitely proved we, we do see a new Lionel. Yeah, I'll admit, I I hadn't lost faith because I don't see Lionel enough. But from, you know, some of his recent full Ironmans, I had lost faith in his back half of an Ironman marathon. Um, and I thought he would let the nutrition thing or the salt thing get to him. And he completely proved us wrong. It was like he nailed that back half. And that was that's where he made up his time. At the first half, I was looking at him like, oh, it looks like he's running the Badwater Marathon. You know, he had changed into <laughs> the Ultra Marathon, like changed into his running clothes, had like all the heat stuff on. But it's like it worked for him. And he just he nailed it. It was so yeah. impressive. That was and my half off because I did not expect it. The finish line. If you could have been at the finish line, uh, and of course, Lionel Sanders is very well known in St. George. This is a North American race. He basically lives in America. Um, th that moment that he passed uh, Braden with about Everyone 400 like, to go. Lionel! I mean, it went insane. I mean, gave me goosebumps. And I'm sure that if you did this in New Zealand or in Australia and Braden had passed another athlete, it would be just as insane. I mean, it gives me goosebumps again right now thinking about it. All uh, you've seen tons of videos, everyone posting it, but that was just for the sport. It was a very, very cool moment, even though it, like it, no matter who the athlete could have been, but to see that our sport is that involved, that educated, 
on the contenders and the athletes and all. I mean, that was an awesome freaking moment. So looking forward to the NBC doc on uh, how they play oh, that one up. The show's going to be amazing. Like that yeah, moment definitely. just makes it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, one more thing on the men's race before we move on. Chelsea, you want to talk about uh, what Christian Blumenfeld had for dinner? Oh my gosh, yes. So we hung out with Christian and the Norwegians a bit after the race at Lionel's house for the UFC fight. This is just context for you all. So I asked him, I said, Christian, what did you have for dinner last night? Because it came up that he was staying in a hotel room all by himself. And Mikal was sitting there and he's like, oh, have you heard of Panda Express? And I said, yeah, yeah, I've heard of Panda Express. He's like, okay, Panda Express is the best part of the USA. And I said, really? You think? And he said, yeah, yeah, totally. So I guess Christian had not the two entree, but the three entree Panda Express with rice, orange chicken, orange chicken. And oh my so god! That's what fuels the world champion. Mikal said, "Orange chicken from Panda Express is so good." So oh. there you go. <laughs> wow! Insane. Let's let's also give another little mental note. Christian did throw up in his uh, swim warm up ahead of the race. We don't know if that was from the orange chicken, but uh, don't try anything new on race day. So if any of you are racing an Ironman this weekend, don't just run out and have Panda Express. To take oh, race. Yeah, just All test right. it out. Put it in action first. Just make sure, make sure you do Panda Express and the race belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. They only work together. I'll yeah, but we can't get it. it. I just quickly made a discount for you all on winrepublic.com. It's Pro Tri News 15. So get your race, you race belts for $8.50 instead of $12. There you go. And we will select one winner next week to get a signed photo from the world champion that eats Panda Express. All right, let's dive into the females. Yeah. The females race, um, it was kind of a little bit more split up than the men's race. They kind of worked in about groups of two. Um, first out of the water was Haley Chira, no surprise there. Um, and then Kat and Daniela kind of worked together to get uh, off to a deep. And then Kat kind of started falling back, and Daniela just really put on the accelerator, uh, probably around mile 50, 60, and then um, was all, just held the lead from there. Uh, so she was able to take the victory. First place for Daniela Reef, five time world champion now. Uh, second place, Kat Matthews. Third Ten place. Time. 10 time, five at the Ironman World Championship, correct? Yeah. And then third place, Annie Haug, fourth place, Guy Munch, which is interesting because both her and Chris were fourth place, top Americans. And then fifth place, Ruth Assel. I mean, I'm super wrong here. I was, I wasn't, <laughs> I just, I just was really off. And so I, I um, Formally apologize to Daniela Reef for doubting her. Uh, you I had can't her as I mean, I had her as a yeah, dark I had her as an outside chance, um, and and she proved me dead wrong. I think Cat. Obviously, I saw Cat on um, Matthews in the middle of pretty early in the marathon, and she was going through a real, real rough patch. And Mark thought at that point she was going to be getting fourth, maybe third, and so for to maintain and defend second, I think is quite impressive. Um, you know, Annie, how she looked on the run when I saw her and, and, you know, and I actually, I actually never saw Sky Munch on the, 
on the run course, but presumably she has to be pretty happy with fourth. Um, I guess those were, those were my big takeaways uh, from, from the race. But I mean, it was for the, for the people that weren't there, I rode my bike and during the entire marathon of, of the men and women's race. I can't tell you how hot and it got incredibly windy uh, as well. And so if you were going up a hill in a tailwind, it would have been rather toasty. It was very hot (laughs) for spectators. Yeah, it got really warm, really, really warm. I think, Beth, did you and Jordan Blanco predict the top three perfectly? We did, yes. So Wow. I had Daniela, Kat, and um, Annie. But I thought it was interesting. You know, Kat thought that she needed 10 to 12. Well, maybe she didn't really think she needed, but wanted a 10-minute buffer from Anne. And I said, you know, you need three to four. And that's that's what it ended up being. Like, a four, Anne ran four minutes faster than Kat. But her Kat is just so strong. And like Pat, I thought Kat looked pretty terrible at not terrible but not cat for the first half of the marathon but um when i talked to cat and mark afterwards she actually evenly split the marathon so to me it looked like she came good but i guess she just didn't slow down as much as everyone else did in the second half yeah i i gotta say i'm i'm super super impressed i was gonna put a uh instagram post up this week of Daniela. If, if you knew Daniela last year, she went through a really, really tough time in 2020. Uh, she, she almost even, she talked about publicly in some interviews that she had even debated retiring from the sport of triathlon. She wasn't happy. I think that from, she wasn't physically or emotionally happy from uh, a coaching standpoint, as well as I think a lifestyle standpoint, she openly came out and said that she was, gay or I guess bisexual or what, what or and and she just wasn't very happy I guess as a human uh, and altogether she left her coach she kind of started her new thing and everyone looked at her last year and was like she's done I mean completely wrote her off she'll never be the same athlete um, I didn't think that she was done but I definitely didn't think that she'd get back to the world-class level that she had used to be at and I and and Mark always gives me a hard time because he's always like, you get so obsessed with the coach, not like the athlete. And I kind of had written it off as long as Danielle is not with her prior coach, then she's never going to be the same. And it's so cool to see an athlete that leaves all this behind and then goes for her own happiness, does what she does that makes herself happy. She's self-coached and she has a partner and, and she is just happily is a human now. And it's so cool to see her cross that finish line. And if you were there at the finish line, you saw her cross. She was more energetic than I've ever seen her in my entire life. And she's holding up five and she's screaming in the cameras. And she's basically saying like, blame every single one of you that ever doubted me. Cause I'm freaking back and I'm the best in the world and I'm happier than I've ever been. So don't ever doubt me again, media. I'm here to stay. So it was Beth, you were there at the finish line too as well, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she has proven time and time again that she can ride the back half of an Ironman bike course 
like a maniac, like so just in a completely different league than anyone else, even the other best women in the sport. And I had no doubt she would do that again. Um, it's just, you know, she thrives off of having doubters. Actually, if you've seen some of her recent like videos and stuff from the PTO, like she, that motivates her, which is interesting. But, um, I, I don't know about the coach thing. Cause I did see that Brett Sutton put up something about, he's so happy for Daniela and her new coach. And he had a photo of him. I didn't know who he was and I didn't look into it. I was busy working today actually for once, but, um, yeah, I think she does have another coach. Oh, nice. We'll, we'll, we'll look that up and figure out who it is. Post Should not do, that it matters, Mark says. Should we do the Tabacock Hats Off Award for the women's race? Mm. What does that mean? Tip of the hat. Tip of the hat. Tip of the hat. Do tip of the hat. I have to give it to Ruth Assel. I mean, she's the defending age group champion from 2019 in Kona and is able to be top five women in the world. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty incredible. Yep. And she just had a strong race to start to finish. And when I, every time I saw her, she was alone, but she just, she was just super strong. Just race within herself. Yeah. You could also give it to the entire women's field because every single woman that started the race finished the race, which you can't really say that about the men. Um, but I thought that that was something that really stood out to me from this race was how freaking gritty and tough that the women are. Not that we didn't already know that, but. Kyle, we spoke about this in our, we forgot to speak about this in our pre-race show. Importance of the Kona roll down slots. Can mm -hmm. you, can you walk us through and probably help, you know, give some context to how much that actually meant and, you know, why there were probably very late into the race for every place that they could. Right. Yeah. So there was eight Kona qualifications. Um, the men's race, it rolled all the way down to 15th to Sam Long and the women's race, it rolled also down to 15th to Kelly Phil now. So it was very imperative. I think on the women's side more so because there wasn't as many athletes racing. So I think that also incentivized them to just gut it out because you could get a Kona qualification. Um, that you would otherwise have to go somewhere else and race and be in peak form for and things like that. So um, the code of qualifications here at the world championship in St. George was imperative um, almost for everyone with eight slots on the line. So, and as like, we've yeah. always seen, right. You can qualify for Kona, the better, you know, your performance typically is in Kona. Right. So for now, you know, in May, these athletes, even, you know, I'll use somebody like Kelly Phil now, for instance, or even Sam Long, who barely squeaked in. Now, they don't have to do another Ironman. They can do some of these bigger PTO races or a bigger 70.3 along the way and then really hone in and, and uh, get the best preparation period for, for Kona. Um, but I thought that was quite interesting. It'd be, it'd be great to know. I mean, I did are we surprised that Sam Long took his spot? I mean, when we had him on, we did a podcast that never aired because it got lost. But he was kind of, uh, he was kind of, t he was kind of saying he made go to Kona. Yeah, not at all. Not surprised at all. This is something that you you take regardless because if something happens and plans change later on in the year, Sam has this in his back pocket that he can decide and be like, oh, I can just go race versus not having a Kona slot at all. 
Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's too much of a risk to just let it go, even though if he's not planning on racing, it would be nice to let it roll to another athlete. It's That's probably not the best professional decision. Yep, exactly. And I believe um, it is Kelly Phil now's first world championship, so um, yeah, that's right. hats off to her for getting that slot. Um, final, final question for me was, you know, before the, before the weekend, you thought that St. George could be the new home for Ironman world championships. Um, after Beth very briefly at the expo, speaking with a few other vendors, um, sure. Kona might have to be where it stays. Uh, if the Island has us back, where, where are we all? Where, 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 Well, let, let's let's let the only one here that's ever raced it before speak on that first. Oh, is that me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, I'm trying to remember if I've raced it four or five times. Two times as a professional, and yeah, and two times as an age grouper. Um, I think you know I don't I can't predict what they're gonna do, how it's gonna go, but I think one possible so not solution but opportunity would be to rotate the professional race to say four different you know places around the world and possibly keep the age group world championship in Kona that's what I would do almost have one on every continent essentially yeah for the professionals because the professionals want to race a world championship and they want to race for the money and the titles um age groupers they want to race for the title but they also want to race Kona yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that. I, I sat there at the finish line. I saw Daniela come through and Christian came through and they had the black carpet they had. It looked beautiful. It was amazing. It was loud. But it's still I mean, it's I mean, you if you guys listen to the previous show, I was the biggest advocate. I was like, I think that it, they could move it here. It's still just missed the the Kona touch, unfortunately, the magic, um, the magic. Uh, I don't know what it is in the air. It's the fact that the sun is setting when the athletes, I mean, not long before they cross. It was just, it just still didn't have the magic touch. So it's, it's a hard one to argue. Uh, I know you can't even argue it with the, with the uh, amateur athletes. They're all racing to go to Kona. So uh, I think it would be a long shot that it leaves there for the amateur race. Kind of like what Bess said, could be potentially do that for the pros. Um, but then, yeah, I think that on, only time will tell on that one. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it does unfold. Predi okay, can we do can uh, we do a real quick predictions? Obviously, we're now we're. we're what, what do we think is going to happen in the next five months? I think that in, if I could guess right now, Jan is looking at uh, Kyle Smith and he's saying, you better be freaking ready to swim as hard as you can and bike as hard as you can because I need two to three minutes gap on Christian and Gustav. It's going to be the only way that I'm going to beat them and I need you to pull us in that front group. That's, I think, was what's happening. But given said that, you got to remember the level that Christian's at right now. I mean, he is at like peak form. And then you have Jan who is at 40 years old and he has six months to get ready to beat these guys. I mean, 
I'm not saying he can't do it, but I mean, you're six months out from a world title and these guys are next level. So I I just know that we're going to be down for, I would say the toughest ever Ironman world championships in history. And then I would even argue with everything that PTO is doing. um, This could be the last most in can, if this term even makes sense, the most competitive field that we will ever see. And probably the last most competitive field we will ever see. I have a question. Do we know if he's still skiing? No, I think he's, I think he's full board into training now. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Well, what are your thoughts? See, it's May. Yeah. I think he was also doing the skiing for, because it was like the aerobic stuff that he could handle. Um, for his Achilles when he couldn't run. I don't, I don't think Jan was ever skiing down like mountains, like having fun. I think he was out there with goes cross country skiers and he was training super, super hard trying to like what best said substitute. But that would be my, that would be my opinion and assessment on the race. I think that Daniela just showed us you can't, you can never count out the goat and Jan's done it before. He thought that everyone had written him off and then he came back and blew everyone away in 2019 um i will definitely not be counting jan out for the norwegians i think i think this race gave us a taste of what's to come in kona because you think of not only the men that were not in this race but also the women like when you add lucy charles to this laura phillip to this i mean the women's field is going to be elevated as well as the men's race when you add alistair brownlee you add Jan Ferdino, you add Patrick Lang into that front swim group. You're also missing Josh Amberter. I mean, that front group just got very fast, very fast. Yeah. So, I'll be interested to see if Lucy yeah, is, I don't is think ready. Lucy would start. I don't think, I don't even know if Lucy would start the race. Okay. We'll find out. We'll find out. All respect to Iron Man, but we have a few other things to talk about, guys. Ooh, World Triathlon right. coming on the scene. We're going part two. So this is the end of part one of this week's episode, Iron Man World Championship. Be sure to tune in to episode two. We're going to drop uh, at the same time, and we're going to talk about the WTS race, also the uh, Herbalife Triathlon in L.A. coming up, the Pro-Am. So be sure to tune in to that next episode.